Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. A few months back, I made some friends, Ray and Jessica Higdon, who I have really grown to love. I mean, if you know anything about my story, you know I was raised by a single mom who sold Mary Kay. I was in direct sales when I was in college. I went door to door for five years and you know, just really believe in direct sales and the power of direct sales and have been so warmly welcomed by network marketing companies and had the privilege of speaking at a lot of their events. And now at Brand Builders Group, we see a, a growing number of you who are somehow involved with network marketing as either a side hustle or a portion of your business, or you're, you know, maybe you're a, you're a fitness influencer and you're just recommending, you know, shakes or workout programs or whatever. And so it made sense that we had to get Ray to come on the show. He is one of the world's leading experts, I would say on network marketing and, and driving business for that. So he has a community called Rank Makers. He has about a half a million people, 500, almost 500,000 followers on social media. I met him and Jessica. They had a book that came out last year and the book came out from Hay House. It's called Time, Money, Freedom. And the book has been a bestseller. And these guys have helped over 300,000 people generate more business, right? They grow their recruits, grow their business. So anyways, we're going to talk about using your personal brand specifically to grow a network marketing uh, direct sales business. So Ray, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be so, on here. Did I say all that accurately? I mean, did, did I, <laughs> I'll clarify. I'll clarify the last point. So, clarify. in the last four years, we've helped network marketers bring in over three hundred thousand new customers, seventy-one thousand new reps, and achieve fourteen thousand rank advances. We actually track production of our of our group, and so that that's that's just the everything else was perfect, man. Got it. So it's that's so it's it's. It's not 300,000 people. You've helped your clients generate 300,000 customers, recruit 71,000 team members. And, yep. then, and then how many of the, how much of the, the rank advance? 14,000, over 14,000 rank advances. And we have, you know, a little bit over 11,000 people in our group. So, you know, you can kind of look at that and in those numbers, but, you know, we're very proud of our rank makers. We give them a action step every single day and they show up big. Yeah. So, you know, there's kind of two parts of this because on the one hand, I'm really curious and how do you think personal branding drives a network marketing, you know, direct sales business, but also, you know, most of the people we have on this show, it's, they're telling us the story of how they built their personal brand. And so you've done that as well. So like in the means of helping all of these people use their personal brand to grow their business, you guys have built a pretty monster empire here mm. in a very, you know, a niche vertical, which, you know, regardless if somebody's in direct sales or not, almost everybody listening, I mean, this is going to be our advice to them is, is to find their uniqueness and really dominate a vertical. And like, you guys have done that as good as anybody. Mm. 
Thank you. Yeah. You know, before we were, you know, coaching and training, you know, we were the number one incomers of a network marketing company. So I know, I know what it's like to be in the field. I know what it's like to, you know, to grind it out. I also know what it's like to fail because I, I failed in my first quite a few attempts at network marketing because there were, there were a few things I just didn't get about network marketing because it is, especially when it comes to branding, it is very different than almost everything else. You know, if you're like, uh, here's, here's a brand you would like. So in uh, Cape Coral, we used to, my wife, when she was pregnant, we took her to this very specific chiropractor that was chiropractic for pregnant women. Love it. Like very specific. And that guy was booked. I mean, he was booked. And I said to him one day, I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty good niche. He goes, yeah, I know, man. (laughs) And so, you know, he's a chiropractor for pregnant women. He's not teaching other chiropractors how to be chiropractors for pregnant women. Right. The reason I, I bring that up is, you know, the realtor isn't typically teaching everyone how to also be a realtor. They're selling houses. But a network marketer kind of revolves around, you know, that world of, of what you do. You want to also be able to share that other people can do. So I'm, I'm very hardcore when it comes to being, you know, being duplicatable, but there's also nuances. There's nuances and, and pieces of that, that, that I don't think a lot of people know that the distinctions of, but we've been able to, you know, to navigate that. Yeah. And I, so I want to talk about this specific, like, so you mentioned that you guys were a top income earner, number one income earner at, at one of these network marketing companies. I feel like the whole issue of personal branding is a conflict like it's 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 like a big question mark for how does a network marketing company deal with because on the one hand you go yes as as one of our dealers distributors team members whatever you want to ambassadors whatever you call them builds this hugely successful personal brand it you know helps them sell more and recruit more on the other hand i feel like there is a lot of conflict of like well then they're doing their own thing they're not really doing the company thing and also, it gets a little weird when people start selling products, like their own information products that they make to their downline, right? Because you're in a, your downline or organization, you have a lot of influence and you're already incentivized to help those people succeed. You make money off of their success typically. So like, how do you recommend people like direct sales companies navigate that or manage that? Or like, what are some of the philosophies either that you're employing or companies you go, yeah, I think they're kind of doing this well. Cause I, I honestly see both sides of it. Like I see going, Hey, the company has a brand to protect. We've dumped a bunch of money into creating this product and this reputation back in infrastructure. And then also being like, well, yeah, well, you know, if you're growing your social media following, like that's really your asset. So, you know, not to start with the, not to start with the hard questions, but let's start with the hard, hard ones. Yeah. It's interesting. So I remember, so that company that that we were the the top income earners of in 2013 it merged into a larger company and that larger company you know like i i had a lot of internet marketers i mean i i had like you know in our space i had <laughs> probably the top like 40 internet marketers i mean russell brunson was in my team cedric harris i mean just this big long list of of gangster marketers that that were in our our team and so you know i met with their compliance and i'm like hey listen 
I'm bringing a whole bunch of internet marketers over here. And, and this company was a big company, but it didn't typically have a lot of internet marketers. And I'm just like, you know, I need to know that you guys are, are cool with this. And their, their big thing was, we just don't want you using our logo or our name. And I'm like, done, done deal. And, and I think that that is, I think that's a smart approach, right? That's a smart approach to say, don't use the company name, don't use, you know, the logo. And I mean, at the time, I, I don't know what it's like now at the time. I mean, I was getting more traffic than, than their site. <laughs> and it's like, look, look I'm not going to use your name because if, if I do, it actually hurts me because I'm, I'm attracting all these other people in other, in other companies. And so here's something that most people don't think about when they enter this discussion is what if you brought in a Brian Tracy? How, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to tell Brian Tracy, hey, stop selling your courses and books, bro? No, you're going to be like, yay, we got Brian Tracy, right? If you brought in you know, some guru, of course, they're going to continue to sell their stuff. And so if you can allow that, then how can you not allow you know, this over here? And so there's, you know, for, for me personally, when I started selling courses, I didn't market them to my team. If someone came to me when we started offering coaching, if someone in my team came to me and said, you know, hey, I want to hire you as a coach. If they wanted to learn prospecting, team building, leadership, duplication, closing, you know, the standard kind of stuff of, of network marketing, I'm not going to charge them. I'm not going to, you know, hit them with some big coaching fee. But if they're wanting to learn blogging, podcasting, branding, all these things, to me, that falls outside the realm of what a network marketing leader should be teaching. And, and so that was a little bit different story. I had a, you know, a few people on my team that, that hired us as, as coaches, but it's because they wanted something that you wouldn't typically get in network marketing leadership. I think one of the, if, if you look at what companies are red hot, I mean, red hot, these are the companies that are the most flexible. They just are. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we're not in the eighties where there's, you can just put hedges up big enough. So no one can, you know, see outside of the company opportunities at every, you know, every second of the day, you're presented with a new opportunity. So the influencer has a lot of options. And, and so I, I think it's a mistake if, if companies are saying, don't you dare build a personal brand. But I also think it's a mistake if an influencer says you must build a personal brand. So, you know, for example, there's a lot of, and, and I know I'm, I, I go crazy on this topic here. For example, we, a lot of influencers, they'll bash cold, cold market messaging, right? And so, you know, we teach people how to send, you know, simple messages to people that they don't know and, and actually get results because some people don't want to build a brand. Some people don't want to, you know, do all the attraction marketing stuff. They just want to get in and get out. Well, one of our students, Christina Danielle, she's the number one recruiter in her company. It's for a pet supplies company, which she doesn't even have a pet. And she does it hundred percent through cold messaging. That's someone she doesn't care to have a brand, doesn't want a brand, doesn't want to build attraction marketing. She just wants to get in. She's the, the number one recruiter in that company. And so there's a, there's a lot of things that, that work in network marketing. I think the mistake is saying this is the only way don't you dare build a personal brand or you have to build a personal brand. Hmm. Yeah, well it's interesting too because like back in 2013, you know, that would uh, that that makes sense to me to go, yeah, blogging, podcasting, you know, funnels, social media, definitely not part of the mainstream of what you would teach for network marketing. But today it probably is, right? Like to go, man, like social media 
like a lot of these companies thrive or maybe I, I mean, I don't know, like I'm not as much into it. I mean, I keynote at some of the events, but sure. like, you know, it sure seems like leveraging social media. I mean, you tell me like leveraging social oh, no. media to grow your business is a is a is one way to do it. Like I very much hear you're saying you can do it cold, which I believe in. I mean, I was knocking on doors in 2006 yeah. when people had the internet and people are going, no one is going to buy books. People have the internet. And yet I made more money than I, than I had any of the previous summers. Like people will always buy from cold calling. It's not the easiest, most glamorous way to do right. it, but it totally works. Here, here's, here's the difference. Like, for example, way back when, when I first started, Social media was bashed by every guru in network marketing. So 2009, every guru that is now all for it was like, oh, that doesn't duplicate. That's too complicated. I remember going to a conference and, you know, a leader, one of the leaders in the company came up to me and said, hey, uh, you're the guy that recruits a lot of people on Facebook, right? And I'm like, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. And he said, well, I prefer duplication. And then I'm like, Okay. Like I, I love that kind of stuff. And so, you know, five months later when I was the number one income in the company, I kind of, you know, waved a little bit. And so like, I I've been through all of that right now, you of course should be teaching your team social media for sure. To me, there's a distinction between teaching how to properly use Instagram, Facebook, how do you do reels, even TikTok? Like all of those are free platforms. It's when, to me, it's when you start to get one level above that an email list, podcast blogging that requires specific knowledge and, and tools. I think you you should be teaching social media to your team, you know, period. That should that should be part of of the deal. So even now, if I was running a team, which we retired from building a team in 2016, if I was running a team right now and someone wanted to learn social media from me, I, I would teach them. I wouldn't I wouldn't charge them for that if they were in my organization. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So like what are what are some of the things that you should be doing, you know, and and for those of you listening, like I just want to highlight and go Network marketing is really just marketing. Like direct sales is really just sales. Like whether you happen to be, you know, selling a supplement and there's some type of override or whatever, or you're you're running a local donut shop, like there's not a lot of the principle, a lot of the principles apply. They don't always, but so just kind of keep that in mind. But like talking specifically about network marketing, Ray, like if somebody was just starting out today and they just signed with yeah, whatever. Pick, pick your, pick your network marketing company. What, sh what should they be doing on social media slash with their personal brand to immediately drive like revenue for their business, new customers? Yeah, and just regarding like, you know, hey, sales is sales, marketing is marketing. The it's it's smarter to think like a franchise. 
You know, there, there's a line in Michael Gerber's E-Myth book that says the reason McDonald's franchises rarely fail is because they were designed to be ran by the person with the lowest level of skill. And so that's how we think about all of our training. Can the person with no skill, no influence, no business or sales background, can they do this thing that we're teaching? And if it requires those things, then that's not good. To me, that's not good network marketing teaching. And so as far as social media, there's, you know, there's a few, there's a few factors. I mean, there's, there's, there's four factors to, will you succeed in network marketing or not? Pipeline which is number of people you reach out to, follow up with, set appointments with, send samples to if that's what your company does. Position, understanding the position of the prospect when you're in a conversation, right? So if they haven't expressed any interest, you have no knowledge, then you have to see if they're open first, not try to close them, see if they're open. Three, posture. Are you easily affected by the opinions of others? Are you to believe in what you have regardless of external acceptance or approval? And number four, perspective, which is your, your mindset. So how does that translate to social media? Well, you have two categories, prospecting, marketing, right? And so marketing, the top of the marketing food chain right now, without question, there is no doubt, is the short video. We're in the short video phenomenon. It's unlike anything any marketer has ever seen. You know, like I was, you know, the last hot trend in marketing, in my opinion, was way back in, you know, late 2000s, which was Google AdWords. And that's, you know, advertising, but that was red hot. You know, I was taught by a guy that was dropping $30,000 a day, but he was making profit $30,000 a day. And, you know, and it's, that was crazy. There's so many people making money on that. The difference now is, you now have a way to reach more people that don't know you than ever before and for free. And so, you know, we have students, we, we have one student, she's got a video, it's got 15 million views and she didn't spend a dime on it. And that's more than who watched the Olympics. <laughs> Wow. And so like, you've never had that kind of ability because the algorithm would always, you know, throttle how, how much reach you would have. You don't have that now. And so now it's just a, it's just a game, right? It's a game of how many times you're going to roll the dice. Cause there are no losers. There's, you can always, you can only stumble upon winners when it comes to Facebook reels, Instagram reels, and TikTok. So if I was starting right now and I had, let's just assume big goals, I would have a prospecting number. And I would have a marketing metric of at least three reels a day. So I'd be doing three reels a day. And this is, you know, just adjust down if your goals are smaller. But if you you have big goals, you want to hit six, seven figures, I would be doing three reels a day and I would have a prospecting goal. And that that is whatever you have the time for. You know, like when I when I was serious about becoming the number one income earner, I set a goal of 20 no's a day. So I had to hear 20 no's that day, every day. And I did that for, for six months. That's what helped me, you know, get to, you know, you know, become the number one income earner. So have a number of how many human beings am I asking if they're open to my product service or opportunity per day? And that is the key question. Not how many comments am I dropping? Not how many friend requests am I sending? Not how many, you know, anything else. How are you today? Right. None of those I'm, I'm saying, how many people are you asking? Are you open to my product service or opportunity per day? You combine that with, you know, two, three reels a day optimal, you're going to build a business. And, you know, it's, it's simple, not easy, 
And, and I found the number one reason that, that people aren't consistent has nothing to do with tactical or nothing to do with routines or, or anything like that. We can talk about that if you would like, or uh, if you have more questions. Well, yeah, like, I think that's a good, that is good to talk about. I mean, when I, like when I was in college and I was knocking on doors, that was the whole thing was, was you have to do 30 demos in a day. Like you got to just, yeah. you just got to show this to 30 people who meet the basic criteria qualifications and it was, you know, it was always, it's not the theory of averages, it's the law of averages. And if you right. show this to 30 people, one to two will buy it. Like, no matter how bad you are, right? Uh, one to <laughs> two people are going to buy it just because they they need it. And it's, you know, hopefully it's a good, it's a good product. So, like I, I do want to hear about the mental side of it. That one thing that I want to highlight, though, that you said that I really love is like when most people teach marketing, they're going to teach likes, followers, comments, shares, engagement, etc. But where you said the focus is do three reels a day, which is totally in your control. Yes, and and focusing on or like the thing you can control. And it's like, I don't know how many views that'll be. I don't know how many followers I'll get. I don't know how many comments will show up. But like, I'm going to commit to three reels every single day is a hugely powerful shift, just, you know, tactically, mentally, even spiritually to go focus, focus on that. So I would like to hear more about why aren't people consistent? Because my guess is it has more to do with that perspective, as you say, that like mindset component. Yeah. You know, I've, cause I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a consistent guy. I mean, I did, you know, I did a video a day every day for 12 years straight because I'm, I'm a lunatic and people have asked me over the years, Hey, what's your daily routine or how are you so consistent? And so I was, I was a little slow at learning this admittedly looking back, but for the first like five or six years, I would just teach, here's my routine. And people are like, Oh man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Then they wouldn't do it. And so like, I'm, I'm like polling my students. I'm like, Hey, who, is anyone doing this? Nobody was doing it. And so I'm, I'm teaching. I'm like, okay, I got to up my game. I got to be a better teacher. And so I started asking myself, okay, why do I do it? I'm like, okay, a vision, a vision of who I want to become. So I started teaching that probably five to 8% of people started doing it. And, and I'm like, okay, there's got to be another answer. And what I realized is that there's two categories of people. There's, there's the people that are borderline workaholics, like I was, that are hustling, grinding, and to talk about consistency is like that they're confused, right? Why do people? Why, what do you mean? Because we're just we're just designed for this stuff. And for me, and a lot of of people that I've now coached, that's actually a coping mechanism. It's actually a coping mechanism with not wanting to spend time with yourself or actually having low self esteem. Which you know, I grew up in a very abusive home, and I didn't think that that was affecting me anymore, but it was, it was due to some of those issues of why I struggled to be present with people, why I struggled to have great relationships, but I was always consistent at working. The other 95% of people that aren't consistent, I have found 100% of the time, it is because they've drawn the wrong conclusion to success based on an observation they made as a kid. Hmm. 100% of the time. So if you had a, a parent who was really, really successful and then lost it all, a program was most likely created in you that made you really scared of being ridiculed and never wanting to have a big fall. So if you are afraid of climbing, of falling off the mountain, just don't ever climb it. 
And so what will happen is people will get to this, this certain level, and then they'll just find themselves either distracted, they'll join a different company, or they'll just not be motivated anymore, because past this level is danger. And so the program is there not to hurt you, but to prevent you from feeling a way that really scares you or becoming someone you don't want to become. If your parents were really successful and they ignored you, you very likely drew the conclusion that successful parent means ignore a kid. And I don't want my kids to feel that way. So I don't know why I can't get past this level. And, you know, I remember I I coached a lady, um, Tara, uh, this was on clubhouse and she, like so many people that I've, I've, you know, coached since she would go into a company and just rock it up to the top, just crush it, just make it rain, break records. And then she would find something wrong and, and leave. And everyone's like, wait, she left? <laughs> what the heck? And so she would go, she'd start another company, go up there and do, right? So that this was her, her career, a bunch of rocket ships, and then she would find something wrong. And so I asked her, I said, you know, what, what was your relationship like with your, with your parents? And, and she said, uh, oh, they're perfect. No drama, no trauma, no abuse, nothing. And, you know, they're awesome. They're perfect. I'm like, hmm, okay. And I know that programs often block uh, memories. And so I said, hey, it's okay if we don't, if we don't, you know, figure it out today. And she's like, <gasps> and she remembers catching her mom cheating on her dad. Now, five minutes before she said they were perfect. And I now know what's going on, but she's like, well, what does that have to do with my career? Everything. As a kid, she was out of control. She had this perfect scenario, was feeling really good about life. And then something happened outside of her control and her reality was crashed. So every time she starts feeling really good about something, she knows the shoe's about to drop. So she makes the choice. With awareness of that program, she no longer has that program. So now she's been able to rock it in her, the current company that she's with. But that's one example of, of hundreds of different examples I've seen where something happened in the past. Like if we have time, I'll give one, you know, one more example. You know, when people struggle with motivation, so when they on, struggle. You, I, I want to hear yeah, this. Please. So I, I just want to make sure I'm, 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 I'm hearing you correctly, that basically you're saying the reason that people don't perform is because there is some underlying program that was written perhaps and likely subconsciously yes. from the time they were young yes that they carry with them it operates in the background and it basically sabotages them because they th- there's this kind of underlying program that's running in the background yes absolutely and it'll disguise itself as overthinking perfectionism procrastination or just lack of of motivation like Mine, the one that I discovered, I've discovered, you know, several is when I was a kid in that house of abuse, some of the relatives knew that no one did anything about it. And so a program was created of, I'm not a priority. That program, uh, you know, up until this last year, year and a half, I didn't realize it, but I was projecting that into every relationship I ever had, including the one with my wife. So I would locate and verify how I wasn't a priority. And that's why I really struggled with relationships. And if you struggle with relationships, there's, there's going to be a cap to how much impact you can possibly have. And, and so, you know, by me discovering my programs, I've been able to help a lot of people discover theirs. 
Yeah. And so you're, and, and so that's always there. I mean, all of us have something, I mean, there's some, there's yeah. something on the hard drive, right? So you were going to use one other, you were going to tell one other example. Yeah. So I was coaching a lady maybe a few months ago and she said, you know, I, I, I get to a certain level and then I just like, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not motivated. I know I could do more, but I'm just not motivated. And I asked her this very you know, specific question. I said, at what point in your childhood did you figure out that trying hard really didn't matter? And she's like, you know, I remember this one day I used my easy bake oven to make these cookies for my dad. And I spent all day making them and I decorated them. I had them all perfect and everything. And when he came home, he yelled at me for using the, the kitchen materials. And man, I think that's the last time I really tried hard in my life. Mm. And so, you know, we're that that program is trying to prevent you from feeling that feeling again. It's not is it's it's trying to keep you safe. It thinks that it's serving you and it doesn't want you to figure it out. And so you you have to do some pretty intense work to to figure this kind of stuff out. And but if you're not consistent, I guarantee you. Now, I can't say that of everyone, but if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, then and you're not consistent, it's not because you're lazy. It's because you've drawn the wrong conclusion to getting higher than you currently are. Whatever that means, money, impact, following, success, you know, whatever that means, but you've drawn a bad conclusion. There's something wrong with you stepping it up. It's something wrong with the next level for you. How do you spot it? The key is one, not easy to do by yourself. The, the real key is patterns because you, the decisions that you've made have been driven by, have been driven by this, these programs, because before you're aware you're on autopilot right? You're the puppet on a string. And, and so you're just, you know, careening around the cliff, you're going up and down and you're making these decisions, thinking that you're making the decisions, the program's making the decisions, the program's making you see things in a certain light to keep you nice and safe. And so when you become aware, you can, you can become defiant to them, right? So, you know, like the first time I really confronted my program of me not being a priority it was a very tough time. My mind, I felt like I was under attack. I mean, my mind was going nuts. And I just thought I was in a you know little argument with my wife and it came up, oh, you're not a priority, but it's still a good relationship. That's what my mind said. And I said, no, I don't want to feel that way anymore. I don't want to think that anymore because that's not true. And, <laughs> and it was, you know, it's what uh, some call a dark night of the soul and couldn't sleep that night. And it was just, it was, it was just a bad night, but it was there to help me eliminate that, that, that addiction that I had to that emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's over how many years do you think that pattern emerges? I mean, it's typically like every three to five years or something, you see the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's, that's going to vary based on, you know, based on your life, you know, it's going to vary based on what, what you're doing and, and what, you know, what it's all about. Like, you know, for me, I can now, once you become aware of it, you can kind of look backwards and, you know, like Steve Jobs said, connect the dots. Right. And I can see that I've, I've, I've had that program my whole life. I've had in every friendship in every business relationship in every personal, I mean, in every relationship, I was, I was seeking to prove that I was not a priority. And I always verified it because we always verify what we're seeking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I know we kind of went from network marketing to deep, deep stuff I mean, here. You go network marketing to social media to sort of like limiting beliefs. But I mean, I, I think this applies a lot, right? Because a lot of people, I mean, people have the same programs about personal branding or social media, right? Sure. Social media is stupid. Social media is a waste of time, social media, whatever. And it's like, well, there's a reason why it's not working for you, right? Like that's yeah. what you that's what you think about it. And it's not the only, it's by by no means the only way to succeed. But like those underlying programs, I think are really, really, you know, they're, they are really critical. And I think it, you know, tying back to my very first question about like, how do network marketing companies deal with how much flexibility or control they try to extend over the personal brands? There is this old school thought of, I think that has for the most part been pretty pervasive, which is control. Like we have to, we have to put a fence around our people and and sort of like shelter them from the rest of the world. And that is really a conflict with like a whole world of decentralization where things are blowing up. Everyone has access to everything. We all see what's going on in other people's lives. We can talk to anyone around the world. And it's like, that's a really big, you know, conflict that we're wrestling with. I, I just, I, I just don't see, you know, and we, I mean, we coach a lot of different leaders, work with a lot of different students in different companies. I just don't see the mega control companies growing nearly at the pace of some of the more freer companies. And, you know, we're just, you know, it used to be like, okay, maybe you're in, you know, whatever you're in Alabama and, and there's only one company that you know of in your area, right. Then, okay. You can kind of be controlling, but as soon as you start to ask yourself the question of what if I bring in a big doctor, what if I bring in an author? What if I bring in an influencer? As soon as you bring that up, it's kind of like, well, well, we got to accommodate them. Like, well, how can we, how can we say, okay, if you're successful already, you can keep doing that stuff, but don't you dare try to it just doesn't make sense. Does that happen? I mean, does that, I mean, I, I know that oh like my, oh, all the time ha- happen all the time, all the time. I mean, I saw, I mean, we recruited one of the top think like top 10 orthopedic surgeons in the country here in Naples, Florida. I recruited Ron Legrand. You may know that name. I mean, he ran, ran a, he's still, I haven't stayed in touch with him, but he runs a big real estate investment, you know, education company. I think they were doing 20 million a year. We brought in quite a few doctors actually brought in different authors, brought in different speakers for sure. And, and that's something that a lot of these influencers, you know, they, they, they make money, but most of them don't have residual income. So I, I, I think it's actually very smart for an influencer if done right to have a network marketing thing on, on the background, on the back end. They don't talk about it every, you know, reel or every, you know, post, but to have one in the, in the background so that they can start to build more residual income. Cause most people don't have that. Most business owners don't have that. No, but I think you, I think y'all, one, one of the things I've been surprised is, you know, at Brand Builders Group, we end up seeing a lot of clients that come to us, maybe you know, have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. And they're going, I want to write a book or build my speaking career or whatever. And we come to find out that somewhere in their back end, they have a they have a network marketing, and that like that a lot of their money c- comes from the, the 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 thing that's really financing the growth of their personal brand. In many cases, is more of the network marketing the network marketing back end. It's not so much that they're making money from their personal brand; it's that they're using their yeah. personal brand and they're driving people to something on the back end. Like I've been shocked at how common that is. 
Very, very common. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a natural thing of if you, if you gain success and you feel that limelight in a network marketing company, because network marketing companies are amazing at edification, making people Mm. feel good, feel appreciated. And so you, you, you know, you get a taste of that and, you know, you, you may get a taste and you're at a point where to get a bigger taste is a really big leap or you've already tasted all the limelight you can you know, possibly get and you still want to grow. You want to stretch out. And so it goes from being the person, you know, signing autographs in your company to getting people outside your company to know you, which is actually beneficial for the company. And that's, that's where, you know, some companies I think misunderstand it. They think that they're going away. They're actually, you know, going out into foreign lands and, and, you know, informing more people about that company if they're treated right, if they're not treated right, then a lot of times that influencer is going to make a different decision. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, the thing I've always, the the thing I've never been able to understand about this is to go, one thing that I find to be pretty consistently true about most humans is they don't walk away from easy money. And if you just help them make more money, like they're not going to leave, like they're, they want, like it's in their best interest as it is in your best interest for that personal brand to grow in right. whatever way it may be, right? Because if nothing else, it's like, hey, this this person is ours. But I also understand the dilemma of you know you're working with a new person and you're trying to get them to follow a schedule and do something duplicatable, and go, well, yeah, but the top people are doing this, and so it's like, why would I need to follow this track when the top people are actually doing something different? Like I see that conflict. That that's a that's a great point. So. When a new person would come to me and say, Hey, I want to do blogging, I want to do podcasting or whatever, I'd say, Okay, you know, I you you certainly can. Now just understand it's more expensive and it takes longer when starting than if you just follow the system. Nine times out of ten, I would talk them out of that thing because they think that's simple, fast, and easy. And and it's not. It's not simple, fast, and easy to build a YouTube channel or or a huge following or a blog or or a podcast. And so, like, you know, I would always give, you know, the freedom of choice. Hey, you can, might take you a little bit longer than if you do it this way. And if they're looking for speed, that's really good advice because you doing the you doing the basics of of prospecting and and you know basic marketing, you're gonna get faster results than building out, you know, infrastructures. And, and so, you know, that it, it is a good point. What a lot of, of, of influencers do is not what they did to reach the top. You know, a lot of them, you know, did the work, prospecting, marketing, the basics, reached the top, then became an influencer. And most, but most people don't understand that. So you, you do need to teach that. Yeah, no, it's it's really similar to like, you know, people were really big on find your uniqueness, figure out the one thing that you can do in the world better than anyone else. And that that's really how you break through the wall, not by trying to talk about lots of things and lots of places to lots of different people. And people go, well, what about Gary Vaynerchuk? And we say, Gary's actually the perfect example because he does talk about everything now. But in the beginning, he right. talked about wine on just YouTube. And that was how he broke through the wall, right? Like in the beginning, The Rock was just a wrestler. In the beginning, Ellen DeGeneres was just a comedian. Like they all break through on the one thing. It's really similar to to this conversation. And people need to be taught, don't do what they're doing now, do what they did to get there. Right. And, And here's the thing about duplication. The way you generate a lead does not have to be duplicatable. What you do with the lead 
that's what has to be duplicatable. So if you're relying on your, so however you generate a lead, that does not have to be duplicatable because I know people you don't. And that doctor knows, has clients, and I'm not going to tell them, don't you dare talk to your clients because not everyone has clients. Like that would make no sense. It's what you do with the lead. So if the doctor has a pamphlet in their you know, office and people say, hey, doc, you know, you know, here, let's just say opportunity. Hey, doc, it says right here I can make some you know, extra money. Uh, you know, is this something I should do? If the doctor says, yes, I highly recommend it, that's not duplicatable. If the doctor says, you know what, we have a short video and this is the video that will tell you if it's a fit for you or not. And by the way, if you ever want to tell other people, you'd use the same video, watch this video, see if it's a fit for you. That's duplicatable. Now, is how he generated the lead duplicatable? No, and it doesn't need to be. It's what you do with the lead. So when I would have people come to me after building a brand and say, hey, man, I want to work with you. I don't know what company you're in, but I'm going to give you my credit card. I would, I would have that happen. And I'd say, hey, I really appreciate that. That is awesome. Thank you so very much. But you know what? Let's make sure this thing's a fit for you. I'm going to send you a short video. Watch this video. And the cool thing is that's the same video that you'll use. Okay. That's duplicatable. It says, oh, oh, I must watch a video before I join this thing to kind of get the gist of it. Got it. And it's the same tool that I would use. If I rely on personality, charisma, or influence, that's not duplicatable. And so it's not how I generate the lead. It's what I do with the lead. Once they're in the conversation, once we're having that communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, fascinating stuff. I guess, Ray, where do you, where do you want people to go if they want to like learn about you and kind of plug into, to rank makers and some of the other stuff you guys have going on? Yeah. You know, if you're a, you know, like a lifelong learner, like, like me, I mean, I do self-development every single day and I have for forever. <laughs> if you're a lifelong learner, then, and you're looking for what should I be doing on a daily basis, then rank makers, you know, might be something that you take a look at. And that's just rankmakers.com. If you're someone that's more of a, Hey, I need to solve this particular problem. And, and you're not, you know, you're not like tuning in daily to self-development then, I mean, you could, you could really Google Ray Higdon and whatever your problem is. And I'm sure I got a video out there. <laughs> that's that's i mean if you made a video every single day for what did you say 12 years 13 yeah years? i so from july 15 2009 to july of 2021 i made a, at least one video a day and the only reason i stopped is i was in a meditation retreat and i'm just like eh, i'm not gonna do it <laughs> yeah that's funny but then i, I picked I, it back up the next week <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, this is interesting, Ray. And I, I think to me, there is the world of network marketing and affiliate marketing and info marketing and digital marketing all seem to sort of like be colliding. Like yeah. as the tools are available to everybody and the lifestyle is available to everybody and people are more interested in freedom and, yeah. you know, time. What's your book? Time, Time, Freedom, Money, right? Yeah. Time, money, freedom, Time, money, freedom by Hay House. Yep. That's uh, my wife and I wrote this, you know, this is not specific to network marketing. It's, you know, 10 simple rules to redefine what's possible and radically reshape your life. It's basically what, what I, I did to get out of foreclosure and, and build a, you know, a business. And it's what Jess did to get away from the makeup counter. And so, you know, it's helped a lot of people inside and outside network marketing. Yeah. Well, super thought-provoking man. Always great to connect with you. Thank you so much for your time and keep helping helping people make rank, man. You're, you're, you're doing it. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. 
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 